Hey there, this is Own Your Unique Words, a podcast for gutsy authors who want to level up their fiction and increase their sales. I'm Janina Polito, multi-published best-selling author, wordtastic editor, fearless marketing strategist, and CEO of Uncommon Universes Press. In other words, I do all of the things, and I want to pass on that joy to you with proven tricks to grow your fiction business without burning out. Remember, every time you subscribe, an otter gets a skateboard. And the world definitely needs more otters with skateboards. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 10 of Own Your Unique Words with Janine Ippolito. And today, the agenda is... Well, marketing, romance, and stuff. Um, It's a little bit of a variety episode, but those are a lot of fun too. And I'm sure you're going to get a ton of value out of this as well. Plus you get to hang out with me and my awesome special guest, the fantastic Parker J. Cole. Now, Parker is an author, speaker, and radio host with an obsession with the Lord Jesus Christ, Star Trek, K-dramas, anime, romance books, old movies, speculative fiction, and knitting, and on and off Mountain Dew and Marshmallow Addict. So she likes the dew, and she writes to fill a void that sugar left behind. (laughs) And that is her official bio on her website. My first podcast feature as a new author was on Parker's show, The Right Stuff, way back when my first book was on world building. Uh, She's inspiring, she's encouraging, she's challenging, and she tells it like it is without being, you know, an in-your-face jerk about it. She's just very direct and awesome and just an amazing person. So I am so psyched she's here. Thanks for coming on the program, Parker. Thanks so much for having me, Janine. I'm really excited to be here. And I am super psyched to have you here. So what have you been up to lately? You like do all the things too. I'm always watching all of your feeds and you're a really busy woman, it seems. You know, I am busy, but it keeps me out of trouble, I say. And so <laughs> you keep yourself going, keep yourself working toward whatever goal that is you're doing. So right now I am reading a book for a podcast. I have to uh, broadcast today at one o'clock today, as opposed to my uh-huh. usual time of seven. So I have to do that. And then mm-hmm. I have some work to do with an outline I'm working on for some current work in progress. And then I'm marketing mm-hmm. my books and mm-hmm. I am preparing my show schedule for the next month and just doing a lot of different things. And not to mention my other extra activities like my church work and family and friends Mm -hmm. and doing all that, taking care of the house. So I'm glad now that I don't work a nine to five anymore because Mm -hmm. I was already busy with a nine to five and doing everything I already have right now. So now I can focus on what I really love doing, which is podcasting, reading, writing, speaking, and connecting Mm -hmm. with other authors. Yeah. I can't picture you doing all of that and work at nine to five. Like there must've not been much sleep happening there. Well, I, I, didn't, I don't usually sleep a lot. I don't sleep okay. like I used to. And uh, right now, you may hear my dog barking in the background. She's upset <laughs> because I'm not paying attention to her, so I ignore her. But uh, one of the things is that when I was working nine to five, I was more focused on this because I didn't want to be doing my nine to five anyway. And so mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I hate it. I won't say I hated my job. I loved my clients and my relational that I had with my clients. It was just mm-hmm. the work that was not the most invigorating or th- thought provocative work you could possibly have. And I'm not yeah. a person who likes repetition. I don't mm-hmm. like routine. 
I like wow. the spontaneity of doing things. So I'm not an organizer by any means. If I were to organize an event, best believe I will be the facilitator. <laughs> I am not the <laughs> organizer. So I'll go, hey, can you get this done? Can you get this done? And it's not that I don't do my own work. I just don't like the minutia, the detail, the small things. That's just God's honest truth. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I, that's inspiring too, how you like stepped down from that work into like having something that made more sense with how your brain worked and with what you want to do and where your passions were and everything. And on Own Your Unique Words, we're all about helping fiction authors to do things better, faster, and easier so they can reach their book success, which for a lot of them is actually getting to do this full time. And of course, you know, helping them not to burn out. So you do all these things and you're not working the nine to five anymore, but you know, you're still running two podcasts and you have, I don't even know how many books out. Like my thought was like 40. Is that more? It's like 30. It's like 30 okay. something, like 33, I think. Yeah. Okay. So it's getting close to 40. My goal is to get to 40 soon. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you do all this without burning out all your energy? How do you keep yourself recharged? You know, I don't think burnout is a bad thing. I think burnout means that you're actually fulfilling the goals that you want to do. But I think burnout is a sign that you're putting your gifts ahead of your purpose. And your mm -hmm. purpose is to continue in the thing that you love to do. And so you do have to sometimes take a step back. You mm -hmm. have to refresh yourself. So you have to make it okay for you to refresh yourself. I know mm -hmm. for me, sometimes if I get too burnt out, what'll happen, I'll, I won't do a show that week or I won't mm -hmm. air that week. Right. Currently right now I air about 10 times a month, something like that. Mm -hmm. I air broadcast 10 times a month, but sometimes a guest may not show up or I have a no show and I go mm -hmm. with the flow. I don't let it bother me. Some people go, I can't believe they're not coming. No, I don't do that. I say, well, Lord, obviously I don't need to have that guest on today because something else is going on. And that's fine. You have to make yeah. time out for yourself. And the thing is, is don't let burnout burn you out completely. Mm -hmm. Let it mm -hmm. refresh you, let it refocus you and mm -hmm. use that as a stepping stone for what's to do next. So you don't get as burnt out easily. Yeah. Yeah. And that's totally a thing. Like the thing with burnout is sometimes you don't know you've pushed yourself real hard till you get there and go, oh, wait, I'm really, yeah. really tired. And so it's mm -hmm. what you do with that and how you refresh yourself versus saying, well, I'm going to stay here and try to work when I already have zero. Yeah. I'm running <laughs> on empty and I'm going to mm -hmm. just keep running on empty. And it's not possible. It's, it's mm -hmm. almost like having a Charlie horse and you're running with a mm -hmm. Charlie horse. And I've had mm -hmm. Charlie horses that stop you dead in your tracks. And you're mm -hmm. saying, whoa, I can't move anymore. And that's the way of your mind and body telling you, we need to take a couple of weeks, a month, whatever it is to mm -hmm. recuperate from that, because you don't want to stop living your purpose. You just want to make sure that you refresh yourself to continue to living your yes. purpose. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And so you mentioned one really good thing for our next question, because um, the question was, where do you see authors burning out when they don't have to? And I think you would probably agree that one of those places trying to push themselves beyond that zero point. Sometimes it happens, we get tired, but then we see someone else who seems to have endless energy and we go, maybe I could do a bit more. And there's like positive peer pressure where if you see someone else succeeding, it can push you. But sometimes it just means they're in a place that you're not. And so you need to just take a rest for that and, you know, acknowledge where you're at. But is there anything else where you see authors hitting burnout or hitting stress where they shouldn't be stressed out, where they need to just, you know, pull back and refresh a bit more? I think sometimes authors take themselves way too seriously. 
I think sometimes they're so focused on getting the message of their books out there that they meander over a thought Mm -hmm. or an idea or a cover. And I have been guilty of this myself. So I'm talking from a place of experience. Janine, you've seen my post online where Uh I will be held up by something really innocuous, like a single line in a story about a tree. I was just telling someone about this yesterday. Like, I can't get past writing about this tree. And this tree is not a main character. The main character is not even part of the story. It's just scenery. And I Mm -hmm. can't get past it. And I think other authors do that as well. And so Mm -hmm. what they need to focus on is it's okay if you mess up. It's okay to keep Mm -hmm. moving forward. And then sometimes you get a weird moment where you can't. This one thing is stopping you. This cover Uh has to be right. Another thing is that we have to be mindful that the words are there. They're Mm going to come out. Don't rush them because I've seen rushed books and Mm -hmm. it looks like it's rushed. I've probably been guilty of writing rushed books. So Mm -hmm. I say that again from a place of experience. Yeah. Yeah. And both those things, like the struggle is so real and we get in our heads and we start overthinking. And then I have, I have a writing friend or two who'll just say, no, you know what? Just, just move past this, you know, just say whatever you can come back and fix this later. It's not going anywhere. This thing's not getting no. published tomorrow. What's, what's, what's the one girl, uh, helicopters are not going to fall out the sky if it does not get done today. <laughs> one of my author yep. friends said that to me and she made me laugh so hard, but it helped me not be so stressed. Like if this mm-hmm. book doesn't get published today, helicopters are still going to be riding in the waves or whatever yep. in the sky. <laughs> airplanes won't fall the volcanoes will not erupt if this does not get published today so that's what i mean just you know to take a step back from yourself mm-hmm. and allow yourself to say okay i can come back to it later mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's also healthy because if you start developing a relationship with your writing where you're constantly guilting yourself over not hitting something or if we're not doing something, then you're going to get stressed out when you sit down to write because you're going to think, well, you know, I haven't done enough. And then your head gets all twisted up in there as well. And you don't enjoy it as much as you probably should. Exactly. All right. Now you do all the marketing things too, because I mean, you have all those books out there and such. So that takes some time for that. Um, What's one area of marketing um, that you think authors shouldn't ignore? Like I'm all about there's some things, well, you don't need to worry about this right now, or you don't always need to have the giant launch. You don't always need to have this, but what's one area where you're like, they should probably making sure they do this? I think authors tend to cry, I'm broke a lot, particularly indie authors, because we are using our own funds to market Mm -hmm. our books. And so we're always looking for a freebie or some Mm -hmm. sort of don't pay money for type of thing. And there's nothing wrong with free resources for you to market your book. But Mm -hmm. why not put an ad out? Why not pay for some things? Not everything, but some Mm -hmm. things. I was uh, reading a huge steamy romance author's blog. Mm -hmm. And she had talked about how she made a million dollars in 2019. And she was just as shocked as as anyone else. She said, oh my gosh, I made a million dollars. And mm-hmm. she told her husband, he's like, oh, no, she said, no, you don't get it. I made a million dollars. And he's like, okay, you know, I'm happy for you. But she said, why won't you experiment with $10 with, let's say, mm-hmm. a social media ad? Why won't you experiment with it? And I know a good friend of mine, her, her dollar is hard earned. It is mm-hmm. hard earned. And so she is not giving it up unless she knows exactly <laughs> if it's going to go somewhere. But I told her, I said, you have to experiment with yep. something 
if you don't experience, you don't know. And so a lot of authors are very willing to do free stuff, but Mm -hmm. you tend to work with things that you personally invest in. Mm -hmm. If you Mm -hmm. personally invest in your own marketing, then maybe you'll learn not to waste that hard earned dollar because you're putting your mind into it. And that's something I had to get get with the program as well. So I'm trying, Janine, to come from a place of experience because a lot of authors, they may be starting off with their one book or two books. They may have their mm-hmm. publishers. And a lot of publishers put a lot on authors nowadays. It's not mm-hmm. back in the day where they did all the marketing campaign. You have to do a lot of it yourself. So why not spend the money you need to have the goal that you're trying to reach. Let's say you're just trying to make sure you reach a new reader. Go ahead and spend mm-hmm. some money on a Facebook ad. Go ahead and spend some money on a blog tour, a virtual blog tour. Go ahead mm-hmm. and spend some money on Amazon ads. Go ahead and spend some money. Um, just spend money. I'm not saying it's yeah. a lot. Just spend money. See what happens when you invest in yourself because you want the reader to invest in your message, right? You want the mm-hmm. reader to read your book. Why aren't you investing into yourself that the reader can get a hold of you too? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a thing. And that the- those are some great wise uh, words there, epic authors, because hopefully most of these authors we're speaking to. But, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, we're all about fiction business life and you have to invest to see some return there. Eventually, you're going to get to a place where the freebies aren't going to work for you and you have to put something in it. And if you've already invested in the cover, if you've invested in some editing, if you have invested your time into making the book awesome, then take the next step and invest a bit in getting yourself out there, upping your visibility a bit more. And seeing what happens, because at a certain point, you got to start putting some dollars on the table to start seeing some returns. Also, I want to add to that, too, a a number of authors who were on the KDP program with the Zahn, Mm -hmm. and the Zahn is a very aggressive publisher, and they're aggressive because they know what works. And so they use their Amazon free days. And Mm -hmm. those are to be used strategically, Mm -hmm. not all the time. And you have to be strategic when using those free days because a number of people will get your books because it's free. Mm -hmm. And I, I think authors are the only creative industry where people expect nowadays to get a book Uh for free. They expect, well, I don't want to pay for your book. I just want to get it. And you're sitting there like, do you have any idea how hard (laughs) I've worked with this book? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one young lady, I know she writes paranormal uh, romance and paranormal Mm -hmm. uh, folklore romance. She has like 14 books out. And the one lady, one reader said, oh, I liked your first book because she offered it for free. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can't wait till you make all the rest of your books for free. And she's like, you will will have a long wait. (laughs) You'll have a long wait. Because free doesn't, because here's the thing, they're not invested in you because Mm -hmm. they got your book for free. So you want to be strategic. You don't want to just give your books away because you are worth the money you pay for it. So if your Mm -hmm. book is worth investing into, then a reader can invest back and buy your books and don't take no for an answer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And readers who really into your stuff, they will. They'll pay the money out. You know? And so don't be like thrown off by someone who's always just searching for the freebies. The ones who will pay are out there. And you just got to get sure. visible and find them. Sure. All right. Now, you've mentioned some romance stuff. So we're going to hop over to that for a bit. Uh, Parker has written a lot of romances. And for me, I, every single fiction book I've written has a romantic subplot. And I've taught classes on that because I apparently have this addiction to romantic subplots. So I might as well spread it. Now, I'll never say anyone has to include romance. So for those of y'all out there who are like, well, I'm never going to do it. That's okay. You do what you do. But adding a romantic element to a story, even unrequited or small, can be an easy way to bring out characterization because romantic feelings make people vulnerable and squishy 
and they can act at a character and they can act in fun, weird, strange, amazing, and sometimes tragic ways. And that can be really great for a storyline. So don't just take it off the table because you're uncomfortable with it. It can be really great for a book. Now, what are your thoughts on that, Parker? I recently saw the movie The Martian, Mm -hmm. and I thought it was an excellent movie. Mm -hmm. Even as I enjoyed the movie, it was sterile to me because Mm -hmm. they were so focused on making it a hard science movie that there wasn't any sort of romantic feelings. There's just one scene in the movie, I haven't read the book, but in the movie Mm -hmm. where Matt Damon says, oh, tell my parents that I love them. And that's it. And that's good because he's, you know, he's on Mars by himself. That really is the yeah. subplot. He's on Mars by himself. <laughs> but I was thinking, what if he had an unrequited love? What if he had mm-hmm. a love interest that he was pining for? What if he had a marriage that he was going back to? Again, I have not read the mm-hmm. book, so I don't know if these issues were in the book. But just from the movie standpoint, he was a botanist who on Mars got left behind. I mean, horror okay i would hate to be yeah. left on mars by myself oh my goodness yeah it's like <laughs> no, terrifying so that was a bigger sub that was a bigger plot and it was an excellent movie and da- daring rescue everything but i was thinking what if he just had that subplot there where he was thinking about his boo or his sweetheart and what if that was something he thought about what if that kept him going what if he heard from them off and on they wanted to make i think the guy wanted to make it extremely platonic make it just about the science which is fine there's nothing wrong with that so that romantic subplot or that romantic element does add more depth to a character people are so concerned that romance is simply sex scenes and Mm -hmm. it's not romance is the journey of a couple's pathway to togetherness that Mm -hmm. is what romance is and it's following them along that path and when you have that romantic element or that romantic subplot you're taking this couple and Mm -hmm. they're going through different things after they go through those things in my book and this varies they end up happily ever after now happily ever after doesn't mean that they're riding off into the sunset. They they say they get married, they have kids, they have Mm -hmm. things happen. Maybe something happens to the kids. Maybe they have strain in their marriage, but the couple's togetherness is cemented throughout those obstacles. So that's what I think is the beauty of a romantic element. Oh yeah. And it just, it adds, I mean, really that human element to it. And so, I mean, I guess when you're reading certain types of books, especially the hard sci-fi, um, you also see this in like your hard kind of military fiction stuff, but it humanizes your characters when you can show them caring about someone else. You know, when you show they have that element of um, vulnerability, that kind of emotional capacity to their systems. And if you don't show that, it'll reach a certain audience and that's great. But it's definitely, it feels a little more artificial to me because as humans, we're not that sterile. We might like to think we're that sterile. And maybe as a reader, you need those days where you just want to read something sterile because you can't handle your own feelings, but you still have them. We're not Vulcans here. (laughs) No, we're not Vulcans. And even Vulca, even Spock had a moment where uh, he was going through a mock time and he Mm -hmm. and Nurse, um, I forgot, Nurse... Chapel. Oh gosh. Chapel? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Nurse Chapel. <laughs> Nurse Chapel. When she was like, he was looking at her and he knew he could walk mm-hmm. and squeeze on her. But anyway, so yeah. I'm sitting here thinking about what you said because in some books, the romantic element, like I say, humanizes you, but also adds mm-hmm. depth to your antagonist mm-hmm. because some antagonists become what they are because of the romantic element. It maybe mm-hmm. it could be unrequited love. Maybe it could be the fact that, oh, she never, he never liked me. Therefore, mm-hmm. I'm going to turn into this 
Or what yeah. I actually like is when mm-hmm. the villain has a boo that's their mm-hmm. romantic <laughs> element too. Like mm-hmm. they're in this together, like Bonnie and Clyde. We're going to take <laughs> yeah. it out together. <laughs> Oblivion with you, hell with you. Like in, um, what was that movie? The Frighteners, old movie now. The CG is really dated in the movie, but uh, the ghost came back to get his boo and she was older, but they were still in love and they both went to hell mm-hmm. together at the end of the movie. They were together, <laughs> you know? So but that's what I'm saying. So that romantic element isn't just for the good mm-hmm. the good guys, it's for the bad mm-hmm. guys too. And it makes mm-hmm. it universal. So recently, I don't know if you saw the one I did a series on, on romance and one lady said, I hate romance, visceral reaction yeah. to it. I said, you're not mm-hmm. the only one. Some people think romance is just a fluff genre. They think mm-hmm. it's easy. They think all I got to do is have two people kiss and that's romance. And they don't understand it because romance reflects relationships in mm-hmm. real life. And I tell mm-hmm. authors who are getting into wanting to explore that concept is use your own relationship. And also with that, you know, we always think of romance as being this fluffy thing as if it doesn't bring out the difficult sides and the hard sides of people that maybe we want to ignore. Like romance is just, doesn't just bring out nobility. I mean, it can. That's the best, the best of it. But the worst of it can be jealousy. It can inspire like anger. It can inspire bitterness, um, especially the unrequited thing. I just thought back, I have two different books where my villains were motivated by romance. One of them is mm-hmm. his wife was, his her husband was dying and he turned to um, cannibalism. <laughs> Yeah. And she didn't want him. She didn't want him to die without her, so she did it too. And so that's kind of was their journey was true love's cannibalism, which my uh, my readers were joking. I'm like, well, you know, they're inspired because they wanted to be together, and that exactly. Was- <laughs> but notice how you use the twist. You use that romantic mm-hmm. element. That love makes you do things, and you can completely subvert it, or you don't have to subvert it. You can do a lot mm-hmm. of things for love. Oh, definitely, and yeah, that whole that love element in general. Like some people say, like, I don't like love stories. I'm like, you know, love motivates a lot of fun things and you can do a lot with love in good and positive and negative ways that are fun. So Mm -hmm. with that, what are some tips you have for including romantic elements, you know, more easily in the story? Official cheat sheet show. So, you know, people are like, well, I want to do it, but it just feels like so much work. What are some ways that they can do a little easier? Don't force it. Love is not be, not to be forced. Secondly, make the love story be part of the pathway of the character. In my fantastic romance series I did recently, I gave a small primer on various tropes that the romance mm-hmm. industry uses. And just to give mm-hmm. you a quick, very quick blip, first time, uh, first love romances is exploring mm-hmm. the, the beginning of first love. Second chance romance explores the conf- a conflict that a romance that was mattered by conflict. And then they now have opportunity to regain that romance. Forbidden romance is that there's some element of perception that makes this relationship forbidden and how they work mm-hmm. through that romance. Another romance is, um, it, it just escaped me, but that's three of them. You got yeah. three. Yeah, and so three, yeah. you can use these pathways to help you with that romantic mm-hmm. element. So, okay, this is a personal thing. Yeah, this is ahead. a personal thing. Do not have a romance where, or a romantic element where we're rooting for boy A or boy B. You know, because YA they do love triangles like ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yeah. we're rooting for boy A and boy B, and then all of a sudden, some dude down the street becomes the love interest. I mean, you have oh, yeah, expectations no, that. between that, yeah. and I hate. It's misleading. Don't toy with us. You know, either it's boy A or boy B or whatever, and let that be it. Don't, okay, now it's this guy down here. Or if it's that mm-hmm. guy, then give us clues that maybe it's neither. <laughs> you know, you know, and I hate when that, you know, Mack truck hits you. <laughs> yeah. It hits you like, yeah. who is this dude? You know, and so, so use your romantic elements 
wisely. And don't just put it in there because you think it's a good idea. Don't think it's, and make sure it's not a quick thing. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a, there's a sect of romance called Insta Love. And Insta Love Mm -hmm. is great because it helps hurry up the story. Like, oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, Janine, Michael B. Jordan (laughs) saw me. He found love me instantly, instantly. (laughs) I mean, he was Michael B. Jordan, top 10. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be great for me. And I would have to ask serious questions of myself if he actually did that. But Insta Love, it works only in a certain way. It it can work, but let it be a natural progression. Um, remember consent. And this is another thing that people mm-hmm. don't realize. You don't write romance. Consent is a big deal, but we're talking like consent. Make sure that it's a consensual thing. They're both mm-hmm. agreeing to it. You don't want the, the guy dragging the girl by her hair down the street or whatever. You know, yeah, make sure yeah. it's we consent. Don't, we don't want creepers here. You know, yeah, like, no guys, like, I can't live without you. And she says no the whole time. Uh, yeah. He needs it's like, I can't live without you. Like, okay, that's your villain. Now that's your villain now. Okay. Yeah, there so, you go. Yeah, that's, that's, there's your villain. There. <laughs> that's your villain. But be creative. You know, like, you know, you use the one with the cannibalism, which I think is phenomenal. I just love that whole idea. <laughs> I have a cannibal in one of my books coming up, in one of my non-romance books coming up. So that's phenomenal. But yeah. And you know what? I'm just going to say it. Read romance. If you don't want to read the hot stuff, you don't have to. God knows there's many choices to choose from. You can read the sweeter yeah. ones. Do what's comfortable for you on that. And think about also, if you're going to do like, you know, genre romance, which we'll talk about in a second, then the romance really does take the whole thing. And there are like expectations and such for like different genre romance that you better have or, you know, we're going to be cranky. Yeah. But in terms of adding like romantic elements to other genres, make sure that it's doing something to grow the characters, either positively or negatively. Make sure it's pushing their buttons and, you know, having an effect on them. And that's one of my pet pieces when they have a romance or they have like a, like a romantic character or something, but they don't have it having an effect on anything in the story or in the character's mindset or anything. And I'm like, no, if they're, if they're going to have this feeling, even if it's unrequited, if they're going to have this affection, it's going to change how they look at things. It's going to, you know, if they weren't looking for it, it's going to make them more agitated because they can't stop thinking about the person and they have other things to do or you know if it's something where that romantic love interest is actually serving a purpose to study them you need to show that too you need to show them going to that person and needing that support and needing that stability because the rest of the story is just so crazy and so don't just throw it in there and not have it impact the characters because otherwise what's the point of having it in the story and uh, have fun with things and you know don't be afraid to just test something out and, and see what happens now people often say you know romance sells that's but here's the thing romance readers are often whale readers like if i find like a series that i love i'll just binge it for a couple of days especially if i'm having a like not great days i'm just gonna be like no give me something predictable and I'm just going to read everything but the thing is you still have to build your craft you have to get a good book cover you have to market you actually have to do a good job with it because also since I know there's a lot of romance books out there if I don't like yours I will drop it like a hot potato and go to something else I don't I mean I got a lot of options so what are some tips you have for authors who want to break into the specifically genre romance market. They want to write, you know, the sweet romances or they want to write, you know, stuff with heat or they want to write the historical romance and really hit, you know, that market. The thing is to read them. Mm-hmm. And you have to read what's popular in the genre. If you want to write sweet, mm-hmm. read some of the high, the high selling sweet romances. Mm-hmm. Read the, if you want to write heat, read them. See how mm-hmm. they work a story. See how they tell their scenes. And like you say, you do binge. And so the the mm-hmm. thing is to read. You cannot write this if you don't read it. And I'm not saying you have to read every single book, but get a feel for the Mm -hmm. genre. 
if you write historical romance, get a feel for how they say it. Because a lot of people, um, they, when they write historical, let's say historical romance, they focus on, they actually are writing historical fiction. And historical romance is where the couple's romance is central to the story. So if you begin mm-hmm. to add other elements and other points of view and storylines, then it's now historical romantic fiction. And you may be fine with that. Mm-hmm. You may want to have more more things to it. I write historical romance, so it's usually just guy and girl. That's the focus, mm-hmm. just these two. And the other elements push their relationship forward. So make sure you read it enough to where you start to get an idea. And then if you want to sw- flip the switch on what it is, then you can flip the switch. Then you can mm-hmm. do the flip, but know what the genre costs. Go ahead, spend a couple of dollars. Don't try to get it for mm-hmm. free. Spend oh, a couple yeah. of dollars, help that author, maybe even reach out to the author, say, hey, you know, I'm, you know, I'm considering writing this genre. Are there any tips? I get that all the time. You know what, Janine? Because mm-hmm. I have been so vocal about romance, I have authors mm-hmm. now coming to me asking <laughs> for advice because they're like, I don't want my book to turn to an erotica. Um, and I read their stuff. <laughs> There's no chance it's ever turned to an erotica. There's no chance. They just want to make sure they hit a certain spot. So read the genre, mm-hmm. ask questions, and then go ahead and go forth. You're, you're mm-hmm. going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. You're not going to get it right the first time. And the fact is to keep going. And don't think this is an easy cash grab because it's not. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's not. not. It's not at all. I, I only reason why I've started to gain a following is through perseverance. Honest God, I've been persevering mm-hmm. for a long time. And then when I hit a spot in historical romance, um, mm-hmm. I started with maps. And that's another subject for another time um, that really started to help me build my readership. So it's not a cash yeah. grab. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. And that's the thing that, I mean, I see that in some groups too, where like, um, you know, there, there are certain Facebook groups where people are like, wait, I did all the right things. I did my books out. Why am I not making Insta sales? I'm like, well, you got to get more books out and you got to keep doing it. Like it's, it's a long game. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And you gotta, you know, you gotta keep at it. And it, it is real guys. Like it seems easier. Um, I've edited romances and stuff. I know the tropes very well, but when I came to starting to write them, especially the only I've written about two things that I would call like true romance where it wasn't sharing time with another plot. And when I was working on my uh, young adult uh, Cinderella retelling, which means Cinderella's romance, you if you're not really telling that you don't, you're not really getting the story. And um, I had some really great beta readers who were keeping me on track because I kept going, well, don't I need more of this? And don't I need more of that? And like, no, you need another scene where they're talking. I'm like, yeah. oh, you need another scene where they're dealing with their relationship. And you need to give us that wedding scene at the end. We want a yeah. wedding scene. We want yeah. to see it's this. Cinderella. It's Cinderella. You know? <laughs> However you view it. It is Cinderella, you know, and that's important. That's why I say read a genre and people think. And the fact is, if it looks easy, that means those authors you're reading are very good at what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. And it took time. I look at some of my other older works and I cringe. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if I didn't have the older work, I wouldn't have the new stuff. And I read craft Mm -hmm. books all the time. There are people who think you've arrived. I don't think you can Mm -hmm. ever arrive. Now, what's your latest project you want to shamelessly promote? Well, I, um, I've been really surprised by the response I've received from my own plantation romance called mm-hmm. The Butterscotch Bride. It takes mm-hmm. place in 1854, six years before the Civil War. I take a mm-hmm. unique twist on plantation romance because it usually mm-hmm. shows it very hard, um, sad, though the white master of the plantation is beating mm-hmm. the slave or raping the slave. But I did something a little different. And basically, I explored the question, does being a kind slave owner make you a mm-hmm. better slave owner or less of one? And so I went that route. I did a lot of research and the plantation romance comes from the 
view of the enslaved as opposed to the plantation owner, but we do Mm -hmm. see their thoughts between there. I've been really pleased with the response. And then the book preceding that, is that the right word? No, the book after that uh, is about their daughter and it's called Mm -hmm. A Groom for Altar. And that's that's what I would call squeaky clean, clean and wholesome, Mm -hmm. whereas Butterscotch Bride, because it's a single title that's not part of a map, um, that one is a little bit spicier, a little mm-hmm. bit, nothing explicit, just a little bit spicier. So I've been really pleased with the response to those two books. And mm-hmm. um, it's been surprising. Again, there are people who don't like them, which is even better because it means that the majority <laughs> of people mm-hmm. like them. So Butterscotch Bride and A Groom for Altar. Mm-hmm. And those have been on my list to read. I love I love how even with your books that you do keep super on genre, you explore things in different ways and from different focuses. And that's totally a thing, guys. So don't think that, oh, well, I have to write on genre. I have to write totally formula. You're allowed to have your own interests and everything come through there. You're allowed to explore within that. There's some flexibility there. And if you can bring a different view, that also helps you stand out as well. Exactly. Exactly. And where can listeners follow you online? parkerjcole.com. All right. Yep. She's got all of her stuff there and you can find her podcasts and her books and everything else. And that's, I believe that's just P-A-R-K-E-R-J-C-O-L-E. And nothing, nothing uppercase or lowercase. Well, it's all lowercase. Just type it in there. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, Epic Authors. Don't forget to click the subscribe button, follow Own Your Unique Words on Instagram, and sign up for the newsletter um, on the webpage, ownyourunique words.com. Now go forth and be awesome.